step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Something that you've heard may make the difference in their life. 
Now, there are two ways that you can join us tonight. You can join us by uh, going to www.soulofamericaradio.com and once again, going to the Hope and Healing tab, hit live show, or you can join us tonight by calling area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. Now, if you're listening either of those ways there, you can listen in, but if you have a uh, if you have a question or a comment, simply hit number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you want to come on the airway, and we'll get you on the airway tonight. We're grateful and gr- glad for that ability to be able to reach you on tonight. Now, in addition to those things, what I like to say to you is this. It's the fact that you can also follow us on Facebook. There are a few ways that you can follow us on Facebook. Of course, there is the Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship page, which is our page where we talk about issues not issues, but <clears throat> that page there is our page of what we call hope. It's our page of a uh, hope and inspiration there. It's a drama-free uh, social media forum there that I promise you that you're going to be encouraged by, uh, that you're going to be uh, inspired by, that you're going to be uplifted by. That's what this thing by Choice 2 Fellowship page does. And then we have another page there, which is the page there domestic violence that is your business page where you'll find so many tips and so many things there about addressing domestic violence on that page including hotline numbers, warning signs statistics and uh, testimonials and stories on that page there the page is designed with you in mind as well and of course you always can go to our J.R. Thicklin page where we are always uh, posting something hopefully that will be of some service and use to you on today now, that's the way that you can reach us, and I invite you to uh, look at all of those pages there with us, and uh, look at so many things that we're doing around the globe, the issue of domestic violence and hope and healing, and dealing with uh, men and empowering men and boys inside of this movement of addressing domestic violence, and most of all, we believe that we've been called to do a transformational work, and that's what we're doing throughout uh, the nation, and that's what we look to do, and we're glad to be with you today inside of it. Tonight, we did have a special guest that was lined up. They haven't called in as yet. And uh, we are going to move on with the show. Hopefully, they will call in very shortly. But I want to deal with these issues that are very, 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 very dear to my heart right about now. Oh, last week, we had an opportunity to watch you on the message about crime watch page and some violence and crimes that happen that in some cases have. Get around themselves uh, uh, in a very uh, type of situation to the fact that they went back. They went back and in one case retrieve clothes and retrieve things is when they have their faith. Today is beyond that. Today is about how are we going to pass ourselves? How are we going to do the things to ensure that the next generation, our daughter, Until that time, 
We definitely want to take your calls and your opinions. So, area code 323 784. Uh, area code 323 9638. That is how you reach us tonight. And hopefully, we'll come in a little bit louder and clear. Last week, we did take another uh, a method of, of, of our broadcast that was more direct, and this is what we're trying to do this week. So we're trying to see where we are uh, actually going or whatever. So thank you, those of you that are listening, and and uh, let me know if it's getting better, if it's getting better or worse, because we're trying to situate ourselves uh, exactly like we did last week when it was wow, so loud uh, to that same type of frequency and be able to uh, really have some real powerful, insightful things for you all night. Now, listen, we are in secondary. There's exactly one week left in this month, which is Black History Month, which we've had to uh, try to really acknowledge Black History Month and the contribution we've made toward uh, uh, our society at large. So that's one of the things I want to make sure that we see in on tonight. I want to make this show open, open line. I want to make it over open line. If we can make it open lines, then I think that we can take your opinion your questions. And that's where we're at tonight. Hope and healing and journey to wholeness. This is how we reach us each and every Monday night. I want to make sure that the line is open to you tonight so that we'll have an opportunity to really address some things that are very, very dear. Domestic violence has gotten out of hand on many cases uh, because there is, there is no sense of uh, peace. An abusive relationship. As a matter of fact, it becomes very tumultuous. It becomes very threatening. It becomes very much an anxious type of life to, to live. And for many, they find themselves running forever uh, from this type of abuse. But I believe that there are things that we have to do and we have to take responsibility inside of doing. I believe that we have a responsibility as a people, as a community, as a, as a, as a society to really look at this issue of domestic violence for what it is. I believe that there are many people that are trapped into things that they themselves have lived or they themselves were brought into. Mm-hmm. I believe that we have to change that. I believe that we have to change that for good. I think we have to change that because this is a learned behavior. And if we're already training the next generation to be abusive, then we're perpetuating a cycle in many ways that is never in. So we all have a responsibility here. I think we all have to begin to respond to this. It must be responsibility because of the fact that we are responsible to one another. As we're responsible to the of our children and and that we actually model it definitely impacts. So I want to make sure that we keep this in mind because of the things that are in front of us, and this is something that we must be willing, if you would, to be able to address on every level. It's very important to address this over The companies are destroyed by this. They are destroyed by society is one that oftentimes we begin to become very human. We begin to become very, uh, if you would, indoctrinated and become very of violence as if it's okay. But we understand that until we stop this, until we change our behaviors and our mindset changes, we're going to continue to see the things that we're seeing. 
And so we need to look at things that happened here. I want to go into a story that actually took place in Texas on last week, right there in the Houston area, the Houston area, I believe it is. And I think here's a story that I think that uh, um, that we need to hear about. And uh, here's a story that as I was even talking with my brother on last week, he began to tell me about this story before I actually saw it. So I want to listen to a story directly from the Domestic Violence Crime Watch because I think this story is one that's intriguing. Because what it shows is how far-reaching the impact of domestic violence is. That even in certain cases, uh, intervening inside of domestic violence actually causes one their life in cases and sometimes their very freedom. Here's a case that took place out in Texas, and I want to give you the report as it has been reported by our friends there at the Domestic Violence Crime Watch. And I want them to know that we appreciate them and the diligence that they do in making sure that we are abreast of the different episodes of violence that's happening around this country. So in an exclusive jailhouse interview, here's an 18-year-old that was charged in the murder of his mother, Kamala Husband, said he has always protected his family. Trevion Jones is accused of murdering Frederick Wallace on Wednesday morning in North Houston. Surveillance video of the scene shows his mother calling police for help about a half hour before the shooting. Police says Wallace assaulted her, uh, assaulted her with her young kids in the car, and, and after calling them, she also called Trevion, her son. And so after this happened, uh, what you'll hear is that Trevion arrived at the scene and he shoots into Wallace's car as he's driving away. Now, Here's something that we need to understand here is that Trayvon said Saturday that Wallace had been physically and sexually assaulted his mother for about 10 years. For about 10 years, this has been happening. And therefore, here is an 18-year-old who retaliated. I'm going to try to pull up the actual footage from this and that you can hear that has been given. And let's see what happens in terms of this. So when we see here's a murder of his mother's common law common law husband, but he is responding after uh, years of being both physically and sexually assaulted. So let's see if we can give a live for you and that you can hear it. And I'm quite sure uh, you all will let me know if uh, the quality is what you can really understand today. So inside of this here, we're going to get this clip up for you. Team charge murder on Inside of the things that we're talking about, because what ends up happening here, what ends up happening in these cases here, if this goes a lot further than we go, right to the story now. Stories coming up there. I do apologize there. Inside of that. Okay, so we'll get that story to you in just a second. Interesting transferring this from um, where it is, and we're going to get this to you now because I think it's worth you hearing. Here, can we give you that we can bring that up? Okay. So we'll get that to you from one of those here. But he was doing He's always going to do this to try to protect his mother. What happened when the all the time looked to try to protect the family? We see all the 
suffering minded. So I want to make sure that we can get and that we get the quality that you need here. What I'm going to do here, as we're working on this particular piece here, what I want everyone on board. And so if you would just stay tuned, for you, uh, quickly, just a heartbreaking confession of a domestic violence victim. Okay, and I'll be right back after this. I'm a survivor of domestic violence. No one ever understands how hard it is to leave a domestic violence relationship unless they have been in one themselves. I don't tell people that I'm a survivor of two domestic violence relationships because they always look at me like I'm still a victim. I'm a victim of domestic violence. My family and friends don't know. They all think he's the perfect husband. I hate him to death. The hardest part about dating after my marriage is telling them I am a survivor of domestic violence. No one wants to deal with that. I finally got the guts to report the domestic violence from my ex-husband, who is the father of my children. I think it's made my anxiety worse. I'm a survivor of domestic violence. I suffer from PTSD because of the abuse I suffered over two years. I've lived with domestic violence my entire life. I can't even imagine what it would be like to have a regular family. I'm a domestic violence survivor. Dealt with it for seven long years. The memories, flashbacks, and nightmares haunt me every day, but I pray I will see the light again. I shared my story of being a victim of domestic violence with a friend. He said to me, How could someone stay with an abusive person? That's so stupid. I couldn't believe how insensitive he was. I'm a survivor of domestic violence and I still live in fear. I never thought I would be a victim of domestic violence. I've never imagined that I would have to get the police to rescue me from someone I love. How do I learn to live or love? I survived domestic violence. I am still alive. I am safe. I am strong. I am a survivor of domestic violence. It's been eight years but I now have my self-esteem and self-worth back, and I know I'm beautiful. It'll be released 2015, November. Okay. And just those confessions there, and those stories there from victims of domestic violence. You're listening to Hope and Healing, the journey to wholeness. This is your host, Jerry Bicklin. Glad to join us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network from coast to coast every Monday night, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central Time, 7 o'clock Pacific, uh, should I say Mountain, and 6 o'clock Pacific is where you will find us here and wherever you may be around the globe. So I say to you tonight that I invite your calls, I invite your comments tonight inside of what you're hearing tonight. I want your opinion. I want your input. Because listen, we can do something about this, but I believe it takes each and every one of us individually. We have to understand the consequences of our actions, the consequences of our behavior. We have to understand how does it inform children, how does it inform people around us when they have seen a culture of violence where this is how we do. We resolve things by conflict. When we want to control someone, uh, we we uh, control them by, you know, using violence and force. There. And so these are the things we want to really address here. For those of you that have been survivors of domestic violence, you've come out of it, you found a way out, 
I think your testimony is worth sharing with the audience today because someone who's feeling hopeless right would like to know. It would be good for them to know that you can come out. Yes, someone who's come out, being able to talk about how you came out. Because there's no one way. There is no uh, one set of persons coming out. There is no one set of uh, your rules of how you get out. But I do believe this. There's one thing that you have in common. You get out of an abusive relationship. It's number one, not only the faith, the urge, and the determination to get out, but also believe that inside of that, you're talking about things such as uh, strategies and understanding the fact that many times it is those that think about children and the safety of their children that oftentimes make that ultimate decision to really get out of abusive relationships. How can we take it to that next level? How can we be better than where we started? I believe that happens when we're willing to recognize that each of us have to take responsibility for our actions when it comes to abuse. I believe um, that we have to really keep that on a real note. When people say, well, why did they stay? I continue to say people stay for a number of reasons, and they stay for a number of reasons. Oftentimes, not only is it love, sometimes it's out of safety. Sometimes it's out of the fact that some feel like I don't want my children to grow up without their father because they're looking at their own relationship, uh, their own childhood or whatever. Whatever reason that they stay, you need to understand that's not the principal question asked. The real question is, why is it that someone who claims to love them continue to abuse them, continue to beat them, to verbally put them down, to uh, literally isolate them, continue to demoralize them, condescending behavior toward them? That is the real question. I think we have to all ask ourselves because to not ask that question is to literally exonerate the perpetrator and give that perpetrator a free pass to continue on. This is why we're here. We're here because we need you to understand that and there is healing even after abuse. But it's a journey. It's a journey that we take. It's a journey to becoming whole again. It's a journey of recapturing, regaining your sense of self Regaining your sense of an individual as you pass from the areas of pain and to power and understanding purpose after that, this is what's so incredibly important inside of this. We have to have these stories because there are many that will live with pain inside and they will feeling trapped thinking that there is no way out. But the reality is there is a way out. There's a way out. For those of you that may be listening right now, perhaps you're in an abusive relationship and you've not even named it that. You just said that you're tired of what you're going through. You're just saying you're fed with being treated the way that you are. I want you to know that journey, the, the journey to healness starts with you stepping forth. Erico 323-784-9638. That's how you reach us today. Erico 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. And I'm your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. As we come to you on each and every Monday, it's imperative that you understand how vastly important it is for us to be able to address this subject matter. There are many that are suffering in silence. There are many that are going through things that many of us could not even imagine going through. And so I say to you and I, we have a responsibility, not only to get the word out, but a responsibility to support one another. I wonder what happens when an individual is witnessing their loved one being abused and that loved one feeling trapped and even greater yet you're trapped because you don't know what to say or do. Those things are very telling and those things happen in a way and those things happen in a way that affect people from every walk of life. 
And that's what we want to do. We want to be able to, if you would, to increase, to increase our our reach so that those that are maybe in an abusive relationship that may be suffering, children are even suffering, that they understand their I believe that we have to do that. I only have to present our I believe that we have to be really that light. But to be that light to someone who's going through a dark place right now. In the community, or have a position on the job, everyone thinks that they are the best thing to slice bread and just think that everything is great with them. And yet, it's still the going through as if what they're going through minimizes who they are as a person. Listen, they are not the problem, it's the abuser that is the problem, and that's the message that has to sound loud and clear. I invite your opinion. Tonight, join in with us tonight. Here comes 323-784-963. That is how you reach us tonight here on Hope and Healing, a journey to hope. see whether or not that um, interview from the young man in prison is ready. Consider here's 18 year, year, year old young man that apparently, you know, who's had to deal with the fact of his mother, a common law husband, of abusing her for nearly 10 years. This young man himself has moved out of the law, perhaps, and yet it's still here the mother's consistently and continuously been abused, including sexually assaulted, and the younger. in his own hand. We don't make it right. We don't call that right. But what they are weighing now is security is not only now is this young man sitting behind jail bars for trying to defend her. But what other situation is going on? There's out there that is grieving. The lost family is grieving. There's having mixed because she makes us in trouble. There is no real clear cut Good feeling inside of an abusive relationship. They were not 
when you act of of a of a them, capital. And so when these type of things happen in these uh, settings, we have to understand that it puts so many lives in our lives, and then we have to be able to stand up and we need to understand that as we make this happen, we make it happen by speaking up. We make it happen by others accountable. We make it happen to stand our ground, be upstanders and not that is how you reach us here. Hope and healing a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. On the network. If you have a question and a comment, please hit the number one on your keyboard. Let our producer know that you want to come on the air. Love your opinion on tonight. Come on. Area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us here tonight on Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. I'm going to be right back. After Healing a journey to wholeness with J.R. Thicklin is coming back right after this. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio LLC. This is the one and only Soul. violence in her lifetime. Every year, nearly three million children witness domestic violence right in their homes. Domestic violence is most likely to occur between the hours of 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. More than 60% of domestic abuse incidents happen right at home. Survivors of domestic violence face high rates of depression, sleep disturbance, anxiety, flashbacks, and other emotional distress. If you or someone that you know is a victim of domestic violence, or if you think someone is, reach out to them. If you are a victim, reach out to somebody you can call the National Hotline right now at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. If you didn't have a chance to write that number down, call Jay Thicklin right now at 1-323-784-9638.
on it all day. Sore. Speak to Jay right now at 323-784-9638. And now, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, continues with your host, J.R. Dicklin. Once again, welcome to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad to join us here tonight. America Radio. That's right, every Monday night for most of here at this place with a journey to wholeness. Listen, uh, definitely we're getting signals to the fact that our signal is not strong and it's a little bit choppy here tonight, and uh, and we do apologize for that. And what I want to do as we're trying to as we're trying to solve that issue there, stay with us. We're we're going to probably uh, we're going to do a couple of other things real quickly here, but we're going to probably uh, have to uh, go into one of our previously recorded shows that you'll find very great. What I want to do is uh, uh, make sure that we can get this issue solved. So I will be speaking with uh, our producer and engineer, make sure we can get together. But in the meantime, I want to play a piece uh, that I played out. And this is from uh, those uh, people uh, who doesn't understand the dynamic of so what's happening is this, is the fact that um, we look at uh, why do people stay? You know, a lot of times we have images of what people that are victims of domestic violence. Sometimes people have images of people that well, I mean, poor and struggling and people that are drugs addicted and people that have alcohol problems and all of those things there. And although that may be one face of it, domestic violence crosses all kind of uh, social ethnic lines racial lines and all those things. Your CEO could be a victim or a perpetrator of domestic violence. Your doctor or nurse or even your clergy could be a uh, victim or a perpetrator of domestic violence. Oftentimes when it gets up to people of prominence, it's a little harder for them to come forth and admit that they've been abused. But I want to play just a little clip here if you'll understand where we're coming from here. Private violence. Why we stay. And I'm going to Put that on right now. Right back. We'll take good care of it. It is the question that I'm asked the most. Why did I stay? Why does any woman stay? And for the life of me, I can't understand why people are obsessed with it. Because to me, it's so obvious. Why does anybody stay with somebody that they love? You know, we've all been in relationships that, even if they weren't abusive, we're not working any longer and we all stay far longer than we want and it's you stay for the same reasons you stay because you love the person or you love what you used to have or you're trying to take care of your children when we ask why did you stay you know we're blaming the victim for their abuse as opposed to asking why did you hit this person or why are you violent or why do you feel the need to be violent why would somebody abuse, why would somebody beat the people who love him or her most on earth? Until we ask that question, we won't be able to obliterate domestic violence. We have got to focus on the perpetrators of violence, not the victims.
cliche, but he really was Prince Charming. He was very kind and sweet and nice. I left what I was doing to come and be with him, and I was alone with him. I didn't have any uh, friends or family in the area. I couldn't find a job, so he paid the bills. And so we got into an argument, and that's the first time that he hit me. He actually threw me up against the wall and started to choke me. Um, and I didn't really understand what was happening because he was not that person all this time. Um, and so when he finally let me go, I thought it was something I did. You know, I wasn't thinking to run. After we got married, it didn't stop. It just got worse and worse and worse. And I felt like I was trapped. At that point, we had moved from where we were across the country again, and I was further isolated. I didn't have any friends or family, and essentially, he still was the breadwinner. I was dependent on him. So if I left, what was I, what was I gonna do? Where was I gonna go? You know, how was I gonna take care of myself? I felt like no one would understand and I felt like no one would care. The first full-out physical attack was five days before the wedding. Part of me knew I had to leave him right then, that I couldn't marry somebody who had done this. But then this other part of me said, but wait, it was one time. And I told myself he'd never do it again, that I was sure he was very sorry, and um, I didn't leave. I married him. You stayed with this guy. Yeah, I didn't have a choice. I mean, he told me, and I and I absolutely, you know, that's the part that is always so interesting to me. It's like, you know, the standard question: Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? Well, uh, he was trained by the United States Marine Corps to hunt people down and kill them, and he told me if I left, he would hunt me down and kill me. That's why I didn't leave. I used to pull what he would call my disappearing axe. And that would be, I would, you know, get the boys and get out because I, it just was getting too intense. But I would always go back because at least I knew where he was. At least I knew the routine. I knew what to expect. But, you know, it's, it's a terrible way to live to always be looking over your shoulder. He didn't start out with being abusive. He started out with being incredibly sweet and incredibly attentive and incredibly thoughtful and incredibly kind and saying things to me that no one had ever said and and paying attention to me in ways that no one ever had. You know, and I was really taken by it. One of the reasons why we stay is because the behavior is such a drastic change from the person we met in the beginning and we're constantly looking for the man in the beginning instead of concentrating on the man that is in front of us. Once I understood that, then I made the decision, you know, I got to go. This is not the same man I married. I mean, I love him, but he's going to kill me. With every violent a moment, I felt further connected to him in this kind of twisted way. I felt that, you know, we had this secret that, that bound us together and that this was something big and we were working on it. And so we had to stay together until we worked it out. The violence got to a point where I realized that I, I could die. 
I had to create a plan. I had to figure out where I was going to go and how I was going to get there and who I was going to reach out to for help if there was any. I was scared. I was afraid that he would find me. I was afraid that he would be so angry that I left that he would come after me. I couldn't just get up and walk away. And it was the most terrible feeling to know that I could leave and I still couldn't leave because I was bound by this psychological trap that I thought was love that wasn't love. You know, I had so much denial. If you had come to me and said, are you being physically abused? You know, if my doctor had asked me or a best friend, I would have said, no, I'm not being physically abused. You do feel isolated and you keep a lot of secrets. You know, you keep a lot of secrets in your, in your heart, in your home, in your head. I stayed because I believed him when he said he wasn't going to do it again. I stayed because I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have any money. I didn't have access to any resources. I stayed because my religious community convinced me that I couldn't get divorced because God would hate me. Um, I stayed because I loved him. You know, I stayed because he was the love of my life and I wanted to believe that love could conquer all, including abuse. tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network as we presented that piece there of why we stayed. Nothing like listening and hearing it from those that are having trapped in a situation who feel that they're vulnerable and feel that to stay is the greater choice of two evils rather than to leave. And I don't want you to think that it's too far-fetched because the the reality is, is the fact that uh, the danger of leaving the danger escalates when a person leaves a, a relationship. So I don't want to start contradicting, but you need to understand the fact that the danger, that in other words, domestic violence tend to become more intense once the victim leaves. And it becomes that way mentally, emotionally, in other words. And you got to understand that this happens and people feel trapped and that danger goes up when they are uh, leaving that abusive relationship predictability factors oftentimes eliminated and oftentimes puts the victim in a place of danger. Eric code 323 that's how you reach us. Eric code 323 listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm so very glad to join us tonight here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Now, someone that was out there, I think we, we may have lost a call. You had a question and a comment, hit number one on your keypad. As you dial in, Eric 323-784-9638. Now, that piece that was very powerful for a number of reasons as to why we stayed. And as we're waiting on your calls tonight, 
And as you're listening tonight, I want you to hear this piece here that I want you to, I bet that I think it's very important for you also to hear. And, uh, uh, you know, we talk about why we stay, but also why what we leave and why victims stay uh, inside of these situations. And there's a lot of whys being asked here when we talk about these type of things. But I want you to hear tonight that it's not because people enjoy it. They're really fearful. It can be really hard economically to leave a domestic violence situation. As a single woman, you're now challenged with paying for rent, utilities, and everyday costs on your own. If you add children to that, you're now including medical expenses, school expenses. Sometimes it can seem insurmountable. You also have emotional factors. No one asks someone to go on a date and then punches them in the face. So we see it a lot that our women are in love with their abusers. This is the father of their children. This is the person they build a life with. Maybe they own a home together. Maybe they've traveled the world together. Violence is one part of their relationship, a very bad part of the relationship. We see women that normally go back seven or eight times before they finally make a reason to leave. And sometimes it's not the violence that stops it. Sometimes it's the kids that finally make her leave. Sometimes it's the pets that finally make her leave. Sometimes it's a friend who finally got across to her that she should leave before she gets hurt. There's so many reasons to leave, and there's very strong reasons to go back. We can't be judgmental. We need to support any victim that's going through it. That is so important. One of the hardest things for people to do is oftentimes not judge the victim, not judge the fact of their situation, not judge the fact that they're not moving quick enough for you, they're not moving in your time and in your space, not judge the fact that that victim is actually feeling trapped and don't know which way to turn. I think that we have to understand until we walk the mile in their shoes, we don't really understand the dynamic of what they're dealing with, especially a mother who may be suffering inside of domestic violence and they have children. I just want to get you to understand something, is that domestic violence is not the will of God for anyone's life. It's not the will of God for your life, my life, or anyone. We have to understand that that spirit there that kids want to control and abuse there is often from a very injured place in and of itself. It's that place that cannot find significance in who they are. And oftentimes they rob others who they are. It is that place where an individual continues to want to find dominance and control, yet it's still many of those same individuals grew up watching the same type thing happen, but are unable to break that cycle. That's why it takes all of us to be a part of this solution. It takes all of us to be a part of liberation of individuals that is going through the situation of domestic violence. And that's very important for you and I to recognize and for you and I to understand because the fact this is real stuff. This is real stuff that happens in people's lives. And people's lives are never the same. It's never the same when this happens. Never the same when an individual is hurt in this manner. It's never the same. And that's what this is all about. And I know for some that are listening there, we're trying to solve a problem. And I know that there are some of you that are listening even now and you're you're saying, well, hold up, you're kind of going in and out. I know that. 
and we are addressing that issue as we're as we're talking to you now, and uh, even to the point that what we're going to probably do, like I said, is get to you one of our previous shows that we had on, um, so that we can be able to really speak to you, and so that you can hear uh, a clear edition of the best of of hope and healing, a journey to wholeness. But tonight is really about where do we go from here. Tonight is about how do we strengthen one another. How do we stand together? How can we do that without criticizing a person who's been abused? How do we reach out to that person who's perpetrating? Who's literally hurting themselves? No, I'm not saying that that, that he's not hurting the victims. They themselves are hurting. They're hurt. They're pained. Their own emphasis is oftentimes informing that sense of violence. Erico 323-649638, that's how you reach us here tonight on Hope and Healing, a Journey to Wholeness. And I'm always so glad to have you to join us here tonight. I want to get ready to take you into a show there, and I'll be right here to take your calls just the same as we are going to bring in the show that we had just here, just about a year ago. And we're going to be right back as we're correcting our technical difficulties. Welcome and welcome and welcome tonight to Hope and Healing. This is your host, J.R. Thicklet, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. That's right, every Monday night from coast to coast, you can reach us right here at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock in the Mountain Time Zone, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be located around the globe, you can catch us here every Monday night on this network. Open Healing is a show that is designed with the platform of bringing empowerment, encouragement. It is a platform that is designed with you in mind, the platform that is here to encourage you beyond your pain. This show addresses the issues of domestic violence, abandonment, abuse, isolation, rejection. It addresses the area of sexual assault, spiritual abuse, and all of those ills that requires us being able to go through the process of healing. Every Monday night, you find us here, and I'm your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here on the Soul of America Radio Network. And so as I bring this radio uh, program to you tonight, I'm excited about so many things. Uh, uh, we've had a very eventful uh, weekend, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about that in a few minutes. But I also want to uh, make you aware tonight that, as always, you can reach us here at area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323 that's how you reach us here. Or if you're listening by way of computer, you can go to www.soulofamericaradio.com. Once again, that's www.soulofamericaradio.com. You can reach us there at that place, and you go immediately to the tab that says Hope and Healing. Hit Live Show, and that's how you get in. Well, tonight we are sad. we're very uh, happy about uh, having some uh, other guests with us tonight. We've had just 
many great guests with us over the past month or so, and I want to make sure that we continue that because each guest brings something unique to this whole discussion. And you know that our purpose for this program is for empowerment. It is empowerment's sake, the ability to be able to empower us as it relates to these issues, to be able not only to sound as a voice of reason, but a voice of comfort, a voice of hope. We understand that for many that may be victims and have maybe uh, now in the level of survivor, being a survivor, that it takes that support system to keep you there. It takes the ability to know that you can make it out of an abusive relationship. And so we address so many areas as we speak to so many different disciplinaries as relates relate to this subject matter of domestic violence. So I want you to do us a favor tonight. Call a friend. Call a neighbor. Let them know that Hope and Healing uh, Journey to Wholeness is on the airway, and we'll be so glad that you did. Now, tonight, once again, there are a few things we want to cover tonight. We have a show that's lined up tonight that we think is going to be very uh, informative, very powerful. We're going to have some testimonials. We're going to have some um, sharing tonight that I think will make a monumental difference in what we're saying and what we're doing. So I want to make sure that you're part of that tonight and that as you're part of that, that you'll get a chance to share. Oftentimes we come on and we talk about the social ills in our society, and particularly one when we deal with this issue of domestic violence, because we understand that the ruin of a nation begins in the homes of its people. That goes without saying. And we understand that if we're really going to address these issues here, we must be candid in our address. We must be very deliberate in our address of these issues. They do not go away simply because we elect not to talk about them. As a matter of fact, they tend to increase and multiply because our silence does perpetuate the violence. But tonight, as always, I always say I don't want you to just hear my voice on this. I want you to hear the voice of those that have been survivors. I want you to hear the voice of those that have turned their pain into power. Last week, we dealt with that quite frankly about turning your pain into power. I want you to be on the other receiving end of those that have walked this and who understands the power, the power that is inside of when we get free. And so I want us to be free. I want us to come out of some things today, and I want us to make some very great strides because of the fact we are about to make some things happen in a great way. We're about to change some things uh, uh, as the narrative have gone for too long when it comes to the issue of domestic violence. So tonight, as we begin to talk about a few subject matters, I have two very special guests that will be with us tonight, and I am going to introduce them formally in a little bit, but I'm going to have with us tonight uh, definitely uh, uh, individuals that are in this field, that are working in this field, but most of all individuals who have overcome, who have come through some things. And uh, in other words, you're going to see that their tests have become their testimonies, and you're you're going to understand the fact that because they have arrived at the place where they have, that it is it it, uh, it says volumes about the ability to rise again, the ability to come back, the ability to come out of abuse, to come out of entrapment, to come out of these type of things, and end up being the individual who becomes if you would, that, that glimmer of hope that becomes that individual who's able to change things and turn their, if you would, their pain into power. So I want you to be there tonight. As you reach out to us tonight, those of you that are listening to us by way of of radio tonight, or by way of, should I say, Internet tonight, uh, of course, if you have any questions or comments, you can always email them to me. You can email them to me at jthicklin at com, or you can always call. You can get on the phone and call in tonight, uh, right here at area code 323-784-9638. That is how you get in, and that's how we get an opportunity to talk to you 
and I think it's very important to do so. Uh, I'm going to share with you a little bit about our weekend uh, that was as of last week uh, and a powerful time that we had on Saturday because it was all about healing. It was all about uh, forgiveness. It's being one of those major uh, parts of healing and the healing process. And I, I want to uh, bring with you excerpts of that tonight. But I'm excited once again to have many guests. And, of course, a lot of times our guests that have passed are listening on the line. And we invite them to be a part of this. But one of our guests tonight is going to be uh, Ms. Gail uh, Gardner, who is the founder and CEO of Woman to Woman Global Mentorship Network with associates as far north as New York and as far south as South Africa. Uh, Gail Gardner is going to be with us. She's uh, the CEO of RAFA, a Soul Care and Empowerment Institute uh, in a, a counseling center dedicated to advocating, educating, and awareness to survivors of sexual abuse and emotional challenges. And, uh, and uh, uh, Gail is going to share a lot with us tonight, her insight inside of not only what she's gone through, but she's going to share really what God has given her as a mission and her uh, platform to do. And then we're going to also have, a, have with us Carolyn Lourdes. Uh, she's going to be with us. She's the founder and CEO of uh, uh, the Safe Outlet uh uh, out of uh, the Miami or the greater Dade area, and she's going to be sharing with us also uh, her journey and the things that have compelled her uh, to do the work that she's doing. Each of these women are not only uh, strong survivors and advocates, but each of these women have uh, their hand on the pulse of this issue of domestic violence. And so we're going to get them in on the airway in just a little bit. I'm going to give you the opportunity to call your friends and neighbors to join us at this point in time, and we're going to come right Right back after this commercial break, we'll go on and tell you a little bit about what happened on Saturday and bring our guests on. You listen to Hope and Healing, the Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R.C. I'll be right back after the break. is the soul of America Radio. Thank you for listening to J.R.L. Thicklin, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. We feature every Monday night a show solely devoted to people that are going through abuse. Some type of problem in your lives that you can't work out. We mainly focus on domestic violence, the cancer in our lives. Join J.R. Thicklin, your host, here every Monday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock p.m. Central, right here on the Soul of America Radio. You can contact Jay every Monday night at 323-784-9638. Or you can listen to him online. Just follow at soulofamericaradio.com and listen for look for live streams. And that way you can speak or listen, whichever your choice may be. Thank you for joining us tonight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin, on the Soul of America Radio. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, 
Please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the soul of America Radio. Here's your host, J.R. Thicklin. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Uh, before the break, we talked about the fact of just some of the things that uh, uh, we uh, have experienced over the weekend with a, such a tremendous uh, event that we're part of, and that was the Style and Grace Empowerment Luncheon. And the theme was forgiveness, the art of letting it go. And it was held in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, there at the beautiful Doubletree uh, Hilton Hotel. And it was just an enormous uh fantastic event that uh, dealt with the issue of forgiveness, and there was so much that was there. We were one of the speakers there, along with four other main speakers, and uh, we had the, uh, the art of death, the spoken word. We had the art of uh, poetry. We had the art of songs, and, and all of it worked together inside of the healing portion of this thing about forgiveness. And, and uh, that forgiveness is not always easy, but it's always necessary. And it's not an instant thing, and it is a process. And I promise you with both of our guests tonight that neither one of them have come through what they've come through without having to go through the whole healing process. And understanding the forgiveness was part of that, uh, giving them to where they are tonight. So I want to open up, and those of you that are listening to me once again by way of radio and by way of of also uh, by number, I want you to be able uh, to also talk to your friends and neighbors, so shoot them an email or whatever you have to do, let them know to tune in to us right now on the airways. Uh, Area code 323-784-9638, area code 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us on tonight. And we're going to bring in, uh, we have two guests uh, tonight, and I'm going to bring them on uh, tonight Uh, individually, I'm going to allow them to... uh, begin to share their story and uh, to get them on the airways on tonight. And uh, uh, our first guest that we're bringing on tonight is going to be that in uh, Ms. Uh, Carolyn Lourdes. Carolyn is the executive director and founder of the Safe Outlet in uh, the greater uh, South Florida area. And so I say good evening and welcome to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. Carolyn, you're on the air. Hi. How are you doing tonight? I am doing Thank great so and much. good evening and welcome to the show and um uh we're excited about having you on. You and I have had the opportunity to not only dialogue but to really share inside of this mission, inside of this passion as it relates to this, this issue of domestic violence. And I'd like for you to uh today to just spend just a few minutes, share with the audience, tell them a little bit about who you are and, and how did you come to this place here that eventually have led you to the finding of the safe outlet. Well, um, thank you so much again, um, Pastor Thicklin, for having me on. It is such an honor and a pleasure to have uh, such a platform where, you know, we can discuss this matter without, you know, any um, body being biased or anything like that. But um, I am grateful to be on this line with you all tonight. But in how my story began, 
Um, I was a teen mom at the age of 13. I gave birth to my first child. I'm a product of a child who came from a broken home. My parents divorced when I was just 11 years old. I took that very, very hard, being that I grew up in the house, just me, my mom, and my dad. And as the only child, you know, that's the foundation you have, your mom and your father. And so my mom had an extramarital affair. She came home one day, and she asked my father for a divorce, which was completely, he was completely blindsided. Growing up in the church, there was no such thing. Um, as a Christian, you marry your husband or you marry your wife. You know, it's for, for better or for worse, but, for, you know, through death do you guys apart. And so my father looked at it as a joke. He didn't pay her much attention. And as the months went by, there was you could tell there was uh, such a strain in the marriage because my mom was at least fussing at him. So at 11, the the divorce was finalized. He had to move out the house, and here it is. Uh, my mom had to resort to working two jobs, um, and there was really no parental supervision in her absence. So when I get off of school, I started hanging out at a local game room, and that's where I met my first boyfriend, who ended up being my children's father. Um I, I gave birth to my first son, Michael. After giving birth to him, um, we kind of reunited, me and the the father. We reunited, and um, it was at the age of 14 when I first started experiencing uh, abuse and was not really familiar with what it was. In my mind, you know, hey, he's digging me, he's he's filling me, and this is his way of showing me how much he cares. So I didn't really think much of it. So by the time I was 18, um, I was on my fourth child from him. And so things never got any better. They got, actually, they got worse um, because he started trying to isolate, well, not trying, he did isolate me from my friends and told me I couldn't go anywhere. And if I did go out, he was calling me every minute wanting to know what time I was coming home and constantly started accusing me. And after a while, it started getting a little ridiculous, you know. And um, I was living at my, at my mom's house at that time. And whenever he wanted, you know, he came home, he could hang out as much as he wants to, and he comes home late. And when he came home, you know, he wanted to fight me and want to, get intimate with him, so he wanted, you know, to 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 jump on me. So after 12 years, I'm just trying to fast forward this, 12 years, four children later, you know, things weren't getting any better, you know, um, but he took care of home. He did that much. He did take care of home um, the best he could, and um, and so every time I got ready to leave the relationship, you know, he would tell me, ain't nobody going to want you with four kids and yada, yada, yada. And so I started second-guessing myself, you know, and every time I got ready to leave, you know, and start thinking about what he said about nobody's not going to want me, it kind of, I became reluctant to leave, you know. And um, so it kept going on. It became a cycle, you know. Twelve years later, I decided, okay, I'm going to leave him. So a few years, fast forward, 
few years passed, and um, I got involved in another relationship with someone I went to school with. Um, you know, he had always been very fond of me, came from great family and stuff like that. But I didn't know that this person had their own issues. So um, I was with this person for about five years on the fifth year in 2004, um, I got off of work. Um, I had issue with my vehicle. Um, my boyfriend at the time, he was supposed to come pick me up, and he had some kind of meeting. He couldn't pick me up on time. So one of my coworkers who lived um, not far from me offered to take me home. Well, lo and behold, when I got dropped off home, I didn't know he was in the house peeping out the window. So the minute I walked in the door, he just rushed me behind my head and hit me, then drug me in the bedroom, and he just jumped on me. He started cussing me out, calling me every name in the book but a child of God, you know. And I looked in his eyes as he was hitting me, and I was was just, I couldn't believe what I saw. It's like I saw a demon, you know. And he said he was going to kill me that day, and if he couldn't have me, nobody else was going to have me. And I, I, I literally felt my life was slipping away that day, and I started crying out to God in my spirit, and I said, Lord, children that I have to care for, please, Lord, save me. And in that instant, wow. it's like God answered the prayer. My daughter walked in. We never heard the door open or anything. She opened the door, and she was like, what are you doing to my mommy? And he paused. He looked back. She took off running to call the cop or get help or something. Um, and then he stopped and jumped off of me. But I didn't realize just how badly I was beating up until CSI got to the house. And um, by that wow. time, he was long gone and stuff. And, you know, my robe was drenched in blood. My face was kind of disfigured. They they was like posed this way, posed that way. They started taking various pictures. And I remember the police officer saying to me, you know, next time you might not be so lucky. So since I was um, residing in Broward County at the time, they decided to take me to Dade County to get me away from the abuser until they were able to apprehend him and so forth. So by the end of that week, he was picked up. He was taken to jail. I went to the hospital that night after the incident, um, and I was uh, released early that morning. And from that point, that was the turning point of my life. I was transferred to this um, shelter that's called Safe Space. And uh, that's where everything in my life started to take a turn. Um, that was the first time in my life that I agreed to get some help because after looking at the look in my daughter's face that day, the look of fear, I felt bad in my spirit. I felt bad as a mother you know, you're supposed to lead by example. And I, after 12 years, I, I broke up with their father, so why would I end up getting with somebody else who's treating me the same way? So I decided to just, you know, do what I had to do and, you know, go into the shelter. I stayed there for 90 days. But while I was there, I kind of like really got back into my word because I had slipped away from that and I started really asking God for direction in saving me because it seemed like I was made, I repeated the same mistake 
And I, I was putting a lot of blame on myself because I said, well, maybe it's me. I'm attracting these type of guys, you know, you know. And so, um, you know, my worker was telling me, no, Carolyn, it's not you. Don't blame yourself and stuff like that. You know, this is where your healing begins. And, you know, you just have to know that it's not your fault and so on and so on. But I was, despite what I was being told, I took it so hard because I felt like I felt my children first and foremost as a parent, you know. I felt like, you know, I couldn't be, they couldn't look up to me as their mother, you know, and I was on all this guilt trip, you know, and so many different emotions was flowing inside of me and just, you know, my mind was racing, to, you know, fast and quickly and I was like, oh, Lord, you know, and so as the days turned into week and then the week turned into month and stuff, you know, with the support groups and, you know, the counseling sessions that I was getting, I found the strength and the courage at that time, you know, to transition out of that life that I had been living for so long then I had grown so accustomed to, you know, and just, you know, freely accept the help that was given to me. And after my 90 days was up, you know, I did get $1,500 from the state, which was um, for relocation. And I found myself a bit entrapped because $1,500, as great as it is, and it's a great, you know, um, help that they do give you, but I couldn't really find someplace decent to move in, you know, for $1,500. So I transitioned to this other shelter in Overtown, called the Lotus House. And so I stayed there for about two months. I was able to, you know, get a job, save enough money to put with the $1,500 that I was to finally move into a condo. And so basically that's, that was the turning point right there, you know, not being dependent on the boyfriend anymore, you know, finding my way, becoming independent, and just, you know, take, taking advantage of the help that was there at the time, and so about six months after I transitioned back um, on my own, I had went back to college to, you know, finish up my degree, and I said, you know, I felt like it was something that I wanted to do. So quickly I connected with one of my mentors at Florida Memorial, you know, and she told me she was going to connect me to someone who would help me if that's what I really wanted to do. And so I connected with this gentleman called, uh, his name, Dr. Trey Coleman. He's a, he used to be the former chief of staff for Alfie Hastings. He happened to be a professor at Florida Memorial. So he said, this is truly your passion, Carolyn. You want to give back because of what you had experienced. This is how you're going to be able to do it. So I ended up going back to the same shelter that I was um, taken to, and I started volunteering my time to come. And in volunteering my time and talking to the clients that live there and so forth, letting them know, you know, that I've been where they're at and that if they truly want to make a difference and make a change, you know, for them to just, you know, willingly and freely accept the help that was being extended to them at the shelter. And so well, with know, that you, being you, said. You, mm-hmm, go right ahead. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, um, I say all that to say this, you know, a lot of people say they, I I don't see myself going to a shelter. Well, you know what? If that's what it takes to get away from your abuser, that's what you have to do. 
you know, because it's not, especially when kids are involved, it's not about you, really, because you don't have just yourself to think about. You have to think about your children, you know, first and foremost. And so, you know, a lot of people think, you know, that going, transitioning into a shelter, it's a bad thing. But transitioning into a shelter if you're in an abusive relationship is the best thing that you can possibly do for yourself and for your children, you know? Well, you know, you, you said a whole lot there that is, I think is so pertinent that there are so many, uh, so many telling signs and nuggets inside of what you're saying, even from the early beginning when you start talking about how traumatic it was for you all as a family, uh, you know, as a family when it comes came to the fact of uh, the divorce and the separation. And although, you know, uh, you said you didn't see it coming, it kind of came from out of nowhere, but yet it's still the impact of that divorce uh, really began to lay down the groundwork for what eventually would happen to you. You start talking about, okay, the divorce happened, and then your mother ended up with two jobs, and as a result of the two jobs, not able to be there with you oftentimes in the evening and afternoon, and which left you there with the uh, center you was at, and then you meet the guy who you would uh, have your uh, first child from and from that point on. And so uh, it brings us back to a point of, uh, how so many times what we see happening is the fact that there's a vice that could happen in one's life that could really begin to turn to turn us in a direction that uh, leads us to other things. And I want to excuse me. One of the things you talked about was the fact that after your daughter walked in on this particular situation, how you know um, you know that definitely was a mind changer and a game changer. I would say for you. Oh, yeah. Even though when I was with their dad and he used to jump on me, you know, I have my second son who used to literally shield me from, you know, from their dad um, beating on me and stuff. And so, you know, that's not a life you want your children to be exposed to because, you know, what ends up happening they end up growing up to become abusers themselves or possibly, you know, the young ladies allow themselves to be abused, you know, and they think that's the norm, you know, and it's not. Wow. You know, so much happens inside of those situations, even when you describe uh, uh, the whole point of your uh, son, how he would uh, put himself as a human shield there. And still that is a place of danger, you know, even for a child to put themselves in that position. And when we see those type of things happen, they in terms of even impacting kids when they grow up. When they begin to take that turn where your daughter ends up coming in, you know, and basically, you know, uh, telling him to, you know, ask him what he's doing to her mother, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that was a turning point with you. But I want to go to the part where you start saying you were going through the guilt trip and you could call it a guilt trip. You start thinking about what happened to your children and those things there. And what I want to say is that sometimes it's hard to distinguish between whether or not it's a guilt trip or whether or not it's really eyes being enlightened and open. Because mm-hmm. in many cases with victims, uh, they do take the abuse. They take the abuse until uh, oftentimes until they see their children either being threatened or their children's life being impacted by it, and they almost become their eyes are open. And whether it's a guilt trip or whether or not you say, no, I cannot allow this to be my children's lot in life, you know, mm-hmm. it is the catalyst that ends up um, 
it's the catalyst that ends up bringing you to another place uh, that you do make those hard decisions. And, and those hard decisions you made, you went through the shelter process, and we understand that a lot of people, even culturally, you know, don't want to go to shelter. They, uh, they have the problem with communal living. But you said something very important. You know, when you're in a position of victimization, oftentimes you don't have that luxury to be able to choose. You don't have that luxury to be able to say, well, I think I have this. I think I'll do that because uh, it's just not that easy. Um, oftentimes, uh, you're in a position where you're trying to survive, survive for yourself, yeah. survive for your children, and that is what you did. You went through the process, and those things happened, and uh, you went through the shelter. So you saw some benefits of the shelter that actually became a stabilizing force for you and gave you the system of support. And, and, and support is very very necessary inside of coming through any type of traumatization. And, uh, and and definitely we say that to people that may be people of faith. And for every pastor, every faith leader that may be listening tonight, I want you to know how important this is, even inside of your congregation. There's not a church that I think is this that doesn't have someone in it that either has been a victim of abuse or may be currently a victim of abuse. To say that it doesn't happen here in my church and no one's ears affected is actually uh, just more or less a sense of uh, wishful denial uh, because the fact that people from all walks of life experience this. But the real travesty is the fact that when these things are happening and we that are members of the faith community are not in position or we're not equipped enough to handle these type of situations and those type of situations being uh, the abuse and uh, being able to uh, deal with victims of abuse and yet hold account, uh, the perpetrators accountable. Uh, I want to do this real quickly. I want to uh, take just a short break, and uh, when I come back, I'm going to come back and ask you, so what Put what actually, uh, you know, what was it that compelled you uh, to now begin the safe outlet? Okay? Yes. Okay. We'll come back with that question immediately after the break. You listen to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, J.R. Thickland, and we'll be right back after this break. <laughs> To Hope and Healing, a Journey to Wholeness. Hopefully, you enjoyed that part of the excerpt from a previous recorded show. And that time has come upon us that we're getting ready to leave for this evening. But listen, I want to invite you out, those of you particularly in the South Florida area. I will be doing a teen dating violence uh, rally on this coming Friday at uh, from six o'clock. I believe the time is six o'clock to eight. There at uh, Youth Empowerment, Teen Empowerment Center, there off of, uh, I believe, the street is State Street there in Rivera Beach. And then on Saturday, Saturday at 4 o'clock in Delray Beach, Florida, I will be speaking there at the Stop the Violence Forum Part 2 down in Delray uh, Beach at the Our Daughters of Zion Seventh-day Adventist Church. Listen, for more information, you can always look me up there on Facebook or you can email me at transforminglives2000 at gmail.com. And... Our time is just about up, and until next time, this is J.R. Pickles, and thank you 
And we will talk to you next time. Be safe. Remember, there is no excuse for abuse. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.